0: Welcome to Connemara Pony Tales, a series of interviews giving you an insider's view on all things related to the Connemara Pony. We'll be exploring a broad range of topics with experts in their fields and also having some light-hearted chats with breeders, riders, producers, and Connemara Pony enthusiasts. We hope you enjoy this free series. Follow updates and share feedback on our Facebook page Connemara Pony World. Hello and welcome to Connemara Ponytails. I hope you're all well. I'm really excited to have Jimmy and John Canavan of Fernville Pony Stud in Moy Cullen County Galway join me today. Jimmy, I'm sure, will need no introduction. He set up Fernville Stud in 1974 and has been a huge influence on the breed, standing abbey owen from 1991 and importing I Love You Melody from France to Ireland in 1999. Jimmy also leased Hazy Match for three years. He felt outcrosses were needed for the breed and hence importing new blood to help protect the breed. His son John is based in the UK and continues the breeding programme with his partner Amy Smith who also produces and rides Connemara ponies competitively. Welcome both and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you very much. It's nice to have a little chat about Connemara's and where we'd like to see them going in the future.
0: Jimmy. there are so many people that are dying to hear your story. And I know from the feedback on social media and all that, it would be great um, if you could just start off and let us know how did you actually get into Connemara Ponies and the formation of the studs?
1: My first connection with Connemara Ponies started 79 years ago. How did that happen? Well, when I was five years old, I was wrapped up and the Connemara pony was put under the sidecar and I was taken to the church to be baptised. And that that sidecar was drawn by a Connemara pony. I don't remember it, but I do have the photographs to prove it.
0: Was it your parents were into Connemaras as well?
1: Yeah, my parents were into Connemaras and... Indeed, they also had a pal bred many years ago. Okay. And that came to the breeding of a pal bred Connemara pony, I'd say it was draft Connemara pony, and a thoroughbred stallion by Jack Bolger's uncle, the late Willie Rowe. I started in, in 1960. I would say you probably have a later date than that, but actually 1960 was the time I started. There was always Connemara ponies and there was a farm horse on our little farm always. They worked on the farm and my father bred the Jim Norton's Jumping Pony Waltzing the tilta. And it became very interesting from there on. And it went from one year to the other year, looking forward to um, breeding Connemara ponies. I was just always very fond of ponies. So I suppose from there on, uh, from having two mares, that went to three mares, four mares, and at one stage we did breed five mares.
0: What year does that bring us up to, Jimmy?
1: Well, now you're you're bringing you're coming into the 50s really and onward and uh, i remember being at a mancraft fair uh, the fall fair in 1953 and there were only seven gray mayors there on that particular day there was up to 30 gun mayors there were bay mares, a lot of bay mares. There were even quite a number of black mares, very strong, sturdy, hairy legs. But uh, the Connemara at that time did—they were much stronger. They had stronger bone, and maybe a lot of them too having round bone. And um, which is a thing we don't like at all, but yeah. we don't see We don't see much of that nowadays. Grey was not. It was into the 60s before greys became very, very popular.
0: Where did the influence of the greys come in? How did that grow in the 60s?
1: Well, I suppose we had greys coming in from outside bloodlines, and uh, they were rumours at that stage that there was even some uh, grey whale stallions being used. We had rumours of that, with no great proof of that, but then Cairna was to come along and very popular stallion covered a lot of mares and there the grey took off. It became the very popular colour uh, with everybody. So the duns began to fade and the bees went out of favor as well. It was a great mistake because to me bees are fantastic animals and they don't don't suffer from melanomas and the black mares don't, uh, you don't see much of it in dun mares. I'd say that we probably got very fond of the greys and they were overproduced.
0: But would it be, I know we're fast forwarding a bit here, but would it be fair to say there's a resurgence in the solid colours over the last few years?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, now the bees are coming back and I'm delighted to see that. And Mm. the duns are coming back. um, I'd say there was a fear at one stage. With the duns, because uh, some of those carried the blue eyed cream gene. Now we know how to handle that. The bays are becoming very popular and they're a very easy animal to turn out, look extremely well, and we should really look after our bays and concentrate on breeding bays because bay mares, dun stallions, I would love to see those days coming back again using bay mares and dun stallions or vice versa is Mm. this is a great uh, selection and colors and very popular dun is a very popular color at the moment
0: and jimmy going back to then if we look at the the 70s when you have a background in the ponies you set up the stud when you were setting up you had a good background from your family but what did you set out as your breeding goals when you first formed the stud? What were what was important to you?
1: Well, I uh, I purchased a cold foal that was bred off bridge boy and a great mare owned by the late Jim Walsh called Craig Letty. And uh, from there on, I bought different breeds down along the line and. Uh, I bought and sold, and I was always very fond of stallions. So I I had great fun with those, because I I did a bit of showing and later then I went into judging. But um, I I found great entertainment out of going and taking on some of the bigger breeders and some of the more popular breeders, and uh, that was great fun out of that. that was a, it was a lovely challenge, really, and um, it went from, I suppose, uh, a minor start to getting much stronger into that.
0: Yeah. And if we we, we start to move into the stallions, then you're well-renowned to have had Abbey Lake for a period was was there was there an influential stallion you owned or leased prior to Abbey Lake No,
1: well I I did
0: uh, own a few
1: stallions. I I owned Jimmy's Gold Leaf, and uh, I um, had a, a couple of more stallions before that. And as uh, I got registered, and I had Jimmy's Fireball. Okay. And, uh, I had Jimmy's Castella, and they were previous to Abbey Leake's own.
0: Was the prefix Jimmy's? Was that because of your name?
1: Yeah, that was that's how
0: I it started. And, Very good. Uh,
1: I later changed that from um, to Burtonville. Um,
0: well, so let's let's move on to. I know people will will be dying to hear a bit more about Abbey Leake's w being so influential. Can you can you give us a little bit of? Information and in detail on him and what he was like as a stallion?
1: Well, Everleague's own had a fantastic influence on the breed because he had great substance, he had great movement, and he had a fantastic temperament. He bred them, so many of his progeny so much like himself. And there are rumors from People that I got this story from people when I was much, much younger than I am now, and I got it from people that were into their 80s, and they told me that uh, they were convinced that way, way back in Abbey uh history, that there was a little bit of blood there.
0: What and sort of blood?
1: That uh, it was uh, a racing stallion in his background, a little wow. In his background. Now they claim that was way, way back, and I do know that those things happened because we didn't have blood typing at the time,
2: Mm. we didn't have
1: DNA, and um, it made a great contribution to Mm. the Connemara Pony, the the other brother bloodline. But in everyday case, he was a fantastic pony to move with fantastic temperament and he left his mark every uh, on the breed because they had great substance mm. they were very good movers they had great temperaments and so they were so safe for children and he did perform exceptionally well for a pony that was built of he had a great structure mm. and uh, but somewhere along the line because he bred a lot of very good ponies. Mm. And it follows all the way down to some of the ponies that were jumping at international level, you know, that were yes. probably in, in the background. So I'm inclined to think that there is, there is some truth in that there was a little bit of blood in his background. I do know that background uh, in animals, and especially in in um, the connemara and I'd say all horses, the third, the fifth, and the seventh generation were very important because I have seen it to come through on those three, each of those three generations. So yep. it could be, if it's in Abbey league Zone, if it's, it, it could be the seventh generation and he left his mark on the breed And uh, it's just a pity we we don't have something like him again.
0: Well, let's chat about that a little bit further on. But am I picking up then that you were aware back then that there was talk that there was blood in Abbey Leak's own. Did that actually influence you to think about what your next steps were for Fernville Stud and the type of stallion you wanted to bring in next? Because I, I want to move on to Hazy Match then. Who again is a, a sort of more of an outcross that you are bringing in? Is there did did the logic of bringing in Hazy Match for a couple of seasons come on the back of Abilix Owen?
1: Yes, it did have something got to do with it because if it's true that way back in Abilix Owen back breeding that there was some blood, I mean it did come out in the performance ponies because they were very good mm. and they were very athletic and uh, I was judging in Germany and I saw a hazy match and hazy match at the time had covered two mayors that particular year Mm. and I said to the owner that you know it would be nice to have him in Ireland for a season or two so it developed from there and he eventually came here for three seasons. He left his mark as well. He certainly left his mark as well because he had ability to jump he had he, he was a very good mover and he was a very good looking stallion
0: and the type of pony he left compared to Abbey League Sowen would be a different type of pony. Would that be fair to say
1: not a huge difference okay because they both left mayors with great bodies mm. and good limbs and good movement and it's very important the limbs on the pony or on the earth are very very important and movement is very very important and i always liked that in judging i liked a, a good head good body but the limbs were very important and. Even more important is how they use those limbs.
0: And when you say how they use their limbs, just talk to me about what you mean by that.
1: Well, I always like, in a horse or a pony, eh, a good walk and nice, clean movement. And Mm. something reaching for the ground. I think it's important that they reach for the ground because eh, you take it in, in jumping. You have to beat the clock. There was a time where the clock, was, uh, I suppose, wasn't as important as it is nowadays. But mm. It's definitely so important now. Mm. And if you don't have a good walker and an animal with good uh, action, the, the clock will catch you.
0: So do you think we are jumping around here a little, but do you think if you look at the stallions uh, today that are that are, let's say, UK, Ireland, have we have we good stallions overall, or do you think there are some just not meeting where we should be with the breed?
1: Well, I'm going to say something to you now.
0: At the moment, if
1: I had my way, I would divide the book. And I would place the mayors that we had in the 50s, the 60s, and the early 70s uh, into the book with a T after their name. And that would be traditional pony. And I would take those taller ponies uh, with lighter limbs and great movement, great ability to perform, I would put them into another section of the book and I'd put a P after their name. I would do that to the mares and the Stallions. I think we need to preserve our the old type Male that we had, and what is happening now, we are losing this because performance is taking over, and this is good for the breeder, that the performance and is great, that we are producing this type of pony. Mm. But in in order to protect the traditional type, I don't see any other way, because what is happening now is uh, we have. People who want to stay with the traditional uh, rules and regulations and Mm. type of pony, but the marketplace is calling for athletic ponies that's able to go out and compete against the clock, and we do have them. We have lots of them, and I suppose recent sales are telling us we need more of them we should protect what we're doing. We should protect our older mayor types and the traditional stallion, our traditional mares. Also, the, the traditional stallion needs to be looked after, but we also need to breed a pony that's able to go out and compete with the best ponies that are out there at the moment. One way you can do this, uh, we have class one, class two and class three. Class one is for the top of the range mayor and uh, I would put my traditional mayors in there. The Class two is being used, if you ask me I'll tell you what it's used for, it's now becoming a dumping ground. Because class two was for over high ponies, mm. and that is not what is happening at the moment. Ponies that are not meeting up with the requirements of the inspectors are being put in there for a year, and they come out again to see will they make go from class one into they uh, from go from yeah. class two into class one. Mm. So I think. bigger animals should go in there that is where what class two is meant to be and that would look after those animals now if the owners are an owner of one of those animals or a few of those want to try and get into the traditional in a year down the road or two years time i would leave it open for them to come out for further inspection okay but i think that's Um, if we had a performance section it would look after those ponies and therefore anybody who wanted to have a performance pony or deal with them or breed with them as they would find them in this section of the book and i I think that we would be able to fill the marketplace uh, with the type of pony that the buyer is after I think that we protect the traditional pony much better by doing it that way because what is happening now
2: mm-hmm.
1: is the traditional type mare, some of the owners are going out and they're saying, ah, oh, this stallion is doing well and they breeding a lot of, I'm going to breed with them and I'm going to go away for a couple of years off of um, a traditional, you know, pony. Mm. So. I think we have, if we give options to the breeders, that is a much better job.
0: Is there a stud book that you see doing this at the moment, Jimmy, outside of Connemara's in the world? Is there someone that you admire as a stud book that we should be having a look at?
1: Well, I, I don't know really.
0: Mm. Now, I I haven't uh,
1: uh, gone into that, uh, even though I I... Don't know what's really going on with all the, the um, things that are happening in the the books for the horses. Mm. Now, I judge I judge a lot of horses. Now love judging horses. I I really like them. I love the Irish drafts. I love the Irish sport horse, but the one that I really like is the T.I.H. horses. I love those, uh, and we should, and a bigger effort should be made to breed traditional Irish horses. I meet people in in Finland, Belgium, France, England, and they are looking for why have they stopped breeding or reduced the numbers of of, um, traditionally Irish horses. The traditional Irish horse has a lot of customers overseas and it's a pity that we're losing this and i i really feel that the minister for agriculture and the minister for sport need to put their heads together and look after irish bred horses and ponies Uh, i i think that we're on their, we're in their sights always but we're not having any major effort from uh, our government
0: I'm just conscious, John, I, we've been talking to your dad a lot and I think I'd love to hear a little bit about I Love You Melody when he was standing with you, or maybe Jimmy wants to come in on that as well. Did you have much dealings with him when you were living in Ireland?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how are you? Listen, sorry. Um, I've been <laughs> <laughs> trying to get this interview for the last few weeks, but uh, it's great to be finally back home from the UK. Um but yeah, uh, I Love You Me Melody. I remember when he came here as a young three-year-old stallion. Uh, my dad saw him in France when he was judging, and he, I remember him coming home. And uh, I think I, I think I, uh, I Love You Me Melody was second in the class. He was beaten by a, a colt that was a year older than him on the same day. And uh, but Dad kept came home and he was raving about this young uh, three-year-old that he'd seen over there. Yeah. Um he, he hadn't been inspected at the time in France, but he came home here and we were speaking one night and uh Carmel, my sister, was with us in the in the sitting room and uh Carmel just said to Dad, Just ring him and we'll we'll try and buy him, you know. Yeah. So Dad rang uh, Huber and uh yeah, it was a it, it was a phone the pony was sold over the phone so he was and uh Hubert was uh said he would uh, get him inspected in France. And uh, he was inspected in France and passed as a stallion, and uh, he came back over to Ireland uh, shortly after that. He had a terrible crossing on the ferry, and when he landed here, he was he was he wasn't himself for a couple of days. But um, I have to say, he's 25 years old now, and he's never had a sick day in all that time. Uh, but a super stallion, we you know we always uh, he's a very fertile stallion, a great great ponies come out and cover him mayor we we usually call him the jet because he doesn't mess about <laughs> you know uh but a great a really lovely temperament um great with kids you know he loved children and uh, you know uh, dad is very proud of him and i think he's done some great stuff for the performance side of the connemaris so i'm back with uh
1: another one of the ponies that gave me loads and loads of satisfaction and i think i love you melody I'll talk about his dam. Yes. Definitely the best mayor that I ever judged.
0: Wow. Who was the Dam Jimmy? Just tell us a little bit about the Dam.
1: The Dam was she was 14-1 mayor, with the most beautiful head, neck, shoulders, body, tremendous back end, muscle to burn, and movement that if I had it, I'd break I'd break the four minute mile and I'd <laughs> I'd break the three minute mile. She, yeah. could, flow. she could absolutely flow. A super, super male. Yeah. And it, I often when I'm judging and I see a nice male, good movement and I'd say a lovely mover. But she's not as good as Equinox Melody. You know, she was something else to move.
0: It's hard to And
1: lovely temperament. Had lovely, lovely temperament. And uh, another great mayor that I came across as well was probably one of the best mayors that left this country in many years was a mayor called White Branagh. White Branagh. And if we could find something in our bloodline, of our bloodlines abroad now, it would be nice to bring it back.
0: Jimmy, I want to ask on I Love You Melody, and it was good that John gave the background uh, seeing him as a three-year-old cult, was there, had you already thought about looking at bringing more blood into Ireland prior to purchasing him, or how did you? how did you make that decision to buy him?
1: Well, I always remember the good things that Ternababi and Dunn did, did for the Irish breed, for the Connemara Pony. And there was blood there, and it was blood that has made our Connemara Pony that what it is today. Yes. We started off in Long Long before my time in 1923. They had to go out and select animals to go into the stud book. Uh, this could not be easy, because there was no background. It was just a pony that was used in Connemara, and uh, it was a small pony, one 2 eight. A big one of them was one 3 eight, and they introduced blood. They used mm. different blood, but there was none uh, compared with the value of the thoroughbred. It was extremely good and the Connemara pony was a great base, it was like the Irish Draft and the Thorabed Stallion, but Mm -hmm. it was a fantastic base and it gave us height, it gave us loads of quality, loads of athletic ability and that's what our pony has today, that they are able to compete. with any of the good ponies of other breeds around the world
0: but jimmy on that there was a question on facebook and it was um around what are your thoughts on what we need to do to add more blood or do we need to add more blood right now to the breeds
1: there is no doubt this should have happened 20 years ago not now and I tried it 16 years ago when I was on council and I was heavily criticized for it. In fact, one or two people suggested that I might leave the council. I don't care what anybody says. It's very hard to find a, a stallion to cover a mayor nowadays that are not related to one another. And so we have gone down a cul-de-sac and we all know when you go down a cul-de-sac, there's only one way out of it. You have to back up out of it. We are in trouble there now and we'll be in bigger trouble in a few years if something isn't done about it.
0: So what do we do about it then? We are where we are, whether it's good, bad, ugly. What do we do about it to add more blood?
1: I have often said, (laughs) To go forward, you have to look back. And when we look back, the answers are there. The influence of of the introduction to other bloods into our Konamara Pony was the bravest decision by very intelligent men and women,
2: Mm. because
1: they knew they had a base. And what were we going to do with it within system that was all around them so they decided they were going to use blood
2: mm. now
1: they used a different blood including the irish draft. they used a stallion called skipperine and mm. they used another stallion called mayboy now that improved the bone and the body structures as well because there were some lighter ponies that needed to do something about them that were within the system and they used those stallions and some were delighted with it some weren't too happy about it but the sensible heads they didn't panic they then decided we'll use thoroughbred again and they also used the arab mm. now there was one maybe a little mistake made is that they used the Arab on some of the thoroughbred crosses, we lost a bit of bone at that stage.
2: Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. But we, we didn't lose the quality of bone. Now, one of the things we went through at that stage was probably a, a longer cannon bone. Now, uh, we don't like that within the Connemara pony. We like a good knee, a short cannon, a quality knee and quality shin bone. That's very important. If you have those, and you have a, a nice angle on the pastern, and you have a nice shoulder slope on the shoulder, you will have good movement there, and you'll have a good looking pony as well. And yeah. those things are, you know, we the, the older Connemara. A lot of them were straight enough up, up in the shoulder of the, the other bloods that came in changed that forest. And so those council uh, members of them time, they were very intelligent people who made a lot of very sensible uh, decisions that made a fantastic contribution to the type of pony we have today
0: so there's demand today as we know for the bigger ponies and we look at the prices the, the the high prices the biggest bracket seems to be the 14.2 plus the 14.2 to 15.2s um and one of the questions again on facebook is what's your opinion on that 15 to 16 hand pony does that go back to your whole point around category two which is a performance pony should we continue to breed big do we need to foster Breeding a smaller pony, or what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, my thoughts on a pony at fifteen hands, that it's a cob. Let it be a lightweight cob, or a heavyweight. When it goes to that height, fifteen to six at sixteen hands, I'd say I have a horse. Yeah, but they're there. And I do know that we we some of our ponamals um, have grown to this height. Uh, yeah, quite small in number, but they're there. And they're very popular and if you had one of them in the sales ring you'd have you'd have 10 bidders on one of those
0: but also but, may i uh, add that there seem to be a higher volume of bigger ponies year on year
1: yeah well what's happening there people are going that have mayors they're 148 plus let it be 149 or maybe the odd Small number. There is a small number of 150 ponies, and when you go to a stallion that's at least 148, maybe he passes at 148, and uh, if he's in well looked after, in he's in the right part of the country, he will slip into 15 hands very easily. Mm. And I suppose the bloodlines in the background would have a bit of influence on that because if you have thoroughbreds in the background they tend to grow that little bit more and rather than expanding on a smaller body they grow taller because if you have a 148 and they stay at that one that 148 they can put on a great body And so they fit in so nicely into the traditional Connemara pony.
0: But are you okay with a group of Connemara ponies um, being between the 15 to 16-hand height? Or do you think we really need to try and push that back and get the height down?
1: Well, this is where my wish for having the performance type Mm. uh, book, dividing the book, if we had this um, performance type Cunamara pony, that height would not uh, be a problem. Mm. Because the people are out there, a lot of people, and especially ladies, don't want to be on a 16-2, and they don't want to be on a 14-2. One is a bit small for them, the other is too big, but they love to be on this animal, 15-2, mm-hmm. and working hunter ponies, we have loads of competition there, and it's the pony that's 15-1, they are the ponies that's coming to the top of the line and that.
0: I, and I agree with that. I just want to jump back to John. John, you're on the UK scene, working hunter scene, and um, what what's your opinion on two things, that bigger pony, but also... The smaller pony for the M M&M and M under one is there growing market for both the smaller and the bigger ponies in the UK?
3: Absolutely, there's a huge market for the over height Connemara in the UK at the moment, mm. uh, and it's so funny because if I if I had ten, fifteen, two Connemaras or proper Connemaras, I could sell them all day, mm. and 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 it's also the exact same for the fourteen handers, you know. Mm. Uh, at the minute, you you could pay golders for a fourteen hand worker in in England, and there's so many people looking for them every day. I'd say, me myself, get messages every week looking for ponies. Um, and it's it's funny because usually, you know, always I always like to, you know, when I was breeding here at home, I always like to get a one four eight, you know, or breed a one four eight. But you know, the market out there is so different. And like that, it Hoyes this year. I sat down and we watched the horse workers, uh, in the afternoon. Myself and Amy, and we're watching all these 16-hand uh, horses jumping, and this 15 hander came in and it jumped the socks off the bigger ponies. Uh, yeah, you know, and I really think there's a huge market there for the horse uh, workers in the UK as well for, say, 15-1, 15-2 or over or overheight So um, that I actually know,
0: want to a- I want to ask you on that because I think there's two things here. Do you do you agree with your dad that there is still a section for the bigger Connemaras or option B should it be a part-bred book and really foster that fifteen to sixteen to half Connemara, or or do you, do you just let the breed grow up?
3: Well, to be honest about it, listen, I think the I think the Connemara ponies is missing a trick because. We should have a part bread book, so we should, mm-hmm. and we also should have an overheight for the performance. Definitely, mm-hmm. uh, it's more revenue for the Kuramara Pony Society as well. And like mm-hmm. with the with the way the economy is now and the way the uh, equine industry is now, uh, you know, everyone has to evolve. And I think if you look, you know, we all love going to watch the in hand classes. I love I love a good brew there. I love watching the traditional have being let out. And I, there's so many super producers here in the country, which we're very proud of them. But when I go to the UK and I, I know I meet you over there, listen, the, you look at all the different uh, breeds that we're jumping against or we're showing against. they are mixed classes of 40, 50 ponies, you know. Um, and I think there's a huge market that we're really missing out on. And, and like I'm watching... Um, good friends of ours here and all they do is produce overhand kind of overhyped kind of you know 15, 15, 1 uh, 15, 2 and they've, such a sh- they've actually cornered the market in the UK and I go out every day I work in the equine industry I build horse arenas all over England and mm. Scotland and Wales and every yard I go into they're always looking for overhike kind of mares. it's it's crazy. I could actually sell them all day long
0: yeah with regards to Fernville stud and the future of the stud and with your dad there have have you have you the same breeding goals as Jimmy does or what what's your thinking now for the future of how you're going to breed your ponies?
3: Obviously we still have a few nice little uh, older uh, mares here. Uh I've a i have a really good foal this a lovely Philly foal at Rebel Justice this year. He's a, he's a thirty year old stallion. He's standing in Newtown with Peace, Kine. Yeah. Uh, uh he's a base stallion and uh, I I'm very lucky to have a beautiful Philly Fall this year out of him and I'm definitely she's one I'm definitely keeping, um and I'm sure she'll be under saddle at some stage, but she's definitely been kept as a, a mare to run on and breed from. Um, but yeah, we've some lovely young stock uh, coming up. Um you know, we have a young three year old stallion there, I'll probably bring him out in England for inspections next year. Yeah. And he's out of a full sister of Fernville Danny and okay. uh and out of uh Boy I Love You Melody. And uh his name is Clomfurt Melody's Boy. And actually on Monday when we go back to the UK he's he's gonna start his uh, education on the saddle. Amy's really? gonna break him. But he's a beautiful pony and he's such a, he's only a fourteen he's about just over fourteen hands at the moment. Love us. So i you know, and he's he jumps. I've never seen a pony so clean over a fence. Like he's so good. You know, so really, really looking forward to him. And we're so very exciting lucky.
0: that it's with with yourself and Amy. It's a homebred, yeah. those back oh, breeding, yeah. the lines that you're close to, and then Amy yeah. producing, and the two of you producing it. That's fantastic.
3: Yeah, and we're so lucky as well to have uh, Cool Jack, who's a seven-year-old full uh, he's class one stallion. He's a full brother of Laburnum Richards, which is Rin Richard line. And we're hoping to get him over here early next year to get semen off him and get it frozen with Philip, our vet here, uh, because I think there's been a lot of interest in him this year, and we've covered a lot of mares in the UK with them. So we're hoping to get him back to, to Ireland here to get some frozen. I,
0: uh, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. I saw him jump at Hoys and I just love him. And he's typey, yeah. and he's gorgeous, and and just scopy. He's he's really lovely. Jimmy, a question, another question for you, just from Facebook. We were asked, what do you think is going right? What's going right now in regards to breeding ponies? Like there's, okay, there's a lot to improve, but what what do you think we should be proud of at the moment?
1: Well, one of the things we have to be proud of is the quality of foals that we are producing. And the fact that if we don't have a Connemara pony on an Irish team, We do have a perfect Connemara on on an Irish team, and we have had so many uh, good Connemara ponies on Irish teams. I think we have to be very proud of that. And we should always keep that in mind, that it should be one of our goals to be breeding for the top, to breed for the top. And uh, that is possible. But there are a number of other things I would like to see. I would like to see... We need to breed fourteen-handers. There's a huge market for those.
0: Like what John and was saying, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we need, and we did get the opportunity, but it wasn't taken. two, two one, two and um, two stallions came out. there were one, two, eight in height.
2: Yeah.
1: And a stallion came out, a one, three, eight, and they didn't get through. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: The way that I would be- look at that is. If you go back to 1923, when they started inspections, they had to select that type of uh, pony. And in order to get those 14 handers, uh, we need stallions of at least 138. We need some of those. And the other things that we need to do as well is to breed past reds, Yes, I agree. And I feel, I, I think during the our recession, the first recession, loads of thoroughbred mares went into the factory. Those mm. should have been covered with Connemara stallions, because there is a huge, a huge market for this path Connemara. Now the Irish Horse Board, uh, do look after those. Uh, you have no problem in getting uh, in getting a passport for those, because both coming from two recognized books There isn't a problem, but there is a great market and there is big money. Two-year-olds this year made 5,000 at two-year-olds. In order to get them, England paid 5,000 for them at two-year-olds. They still have to So We need those uh, things to be looked at. We need money to come from somewhere for that. like the 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 likes of Horseport Ireland. Yeah, Horseport Ireland would need I think we need to go to them with a substantial plan
2: mm. that
1: will stand up to scrutiny yeah. and get something. Now, and the other thing I want in to say, I'm not here tonight speaking to you to criticise the Kunimara Pony Breeders Society.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I do think that they, they need to listen to breeders. And I do feel and I tried it four occasions when I was member of council, that we give a day in each province to the breeders in Munster, Connacht, Leinster, and Ulster, mm. with 20 council members, send five of them to each province on a particular day. A Sunday might be the most suitable day for breeders. Mm. And let's hear from the breeder. I could not sell that to council when I was there because mm. I was meeting a lot of breeders and because I was doing a lot of judging I have judged that 400 I have 460 shows done in 45 years and between our, and I meet a lot of breeders and they I'm just uh, relating what they have been saying to me So it's to get the voice
0: heard, to get the voice heard of the breeders. And sometimes they're just not being listened to.
1: Exactly.
0: But they have a story.
1: They have Mm. a story to tell. They have questions to ask. And let me tell you, breeders are, they're very nice people. All Mm. breeders, horses and bunnies, they're always willing to them. Some people, uh, some breeders feel that they know it all, and that is fine. I don't see anything wrong with people thinking like that. Um, but I do feel that an open day for the breeder is the most important thing we could have.
0: I, I think that's a great idea. I do know there was another question on Facebook, I promise it's the last one, but do you, is there an unsung hero, of the breed, like a prony or breeder who isn't well known or doesn't get credit that you think you should credit on this podcast, Jimmy, someone that you think that's made a great change or or done something really prolific or positive for the breed.
1: I think if we can look at some stallions that have come from bred up older stallions and maybe older mares. And I am um, thinking of one particular bay stallion, a three year old stallion that was passed this year. He was bred up a stallion that's now 31 years of age, Rebel Justice. And he would be of the Poetic Justice line, as far as I know. Yeah. And that was a great performance line. And uh, this three year old stallion is lovely quality. He's a bay stallion. And I think that out there there has to be a number of mayors that would be very suitable for his bloodline and maybe we'd in that way create a new bloodline. From who, new has,
0: who has that stallion at
1: the moment? That stallion is um, Newtown Reuben and he's owned by uh, Peter Coyne from okay. Newtown, Cunnamarapone, he Mike got my Colin in County Galway.
0: Okay so we're giving the call out to Peter Coyne here. Because that's something that breeders should consider um, and, and bringing back that older breed.
1: The other thing I will do, and I know you're in a hurry, is I would introduce new bloodline. It, we have to go for a new bloodline. If they did it successfully down the years from 1925 on, we should be able to do it again.
0: So and what bloodline? Let's be really specific. You, We have a Want what, what are you bringing into
1: the breed? I would bring in thoroughbred uh, blood in again because we need to create new bloodlines because uh, it's piling up now. We're gone down a cul-de-sac with bloodlines and we need a new bloodline. And surely we're in a better position to do it now than they were in 1924, 25. And uh, they did it down the years very successfully. And I would select a number of well-made, very good movers, and not higher than I think 13 two mares, 14 and maybe 14 one. Mm. And I keep that to a small number. I'd say 25 mares. And I search Europe if I had to to find a, a thoroughbred that would be suitable, of uh, like a pony, preferably one that's performing and uh, because that is needed, we, knew, we need that new bloodline. And the the other thing I would do, I would try and find four or five clover hill mares mm. and have those covered with Connemara stallions with the, an idea to keeping a, a stallion after, after we we'll say in the third generation. Assuming mm. we do that or was able to do that the, and the females I would keep females and I would keep males um, if they were suitable.
0: So but if you keep uh, the males or the females and they're suitable do they go back into the Connemara breed?
1: Eventually you'd have to I'd say I would be happy doing it at the second crossing but I yeah. think maybe the third crossing would be the best like they did Years gone. That's why I'm saying, mm-hmm. looking back before you go forward, we know the success of it in years mm-hmm. gone by. It mm-hmm. needs to be done again. And Clover Hill mares to me would certainly appeal for this small. Mm-hmm. Of the, there are Cloverhill mayors out there. I understand around 15 hands. Some of them a little over 14 hands. They would be very suitable because yeah, the thoroughbred blood would be coming in there. And they all had very decent limbs they had they had mm. good bone, and they had good movement, they had great performance, and they had great bodies. You know we We don't want to breed something with very light bodies and very light limbs, uh, But I think we need to move before it's too late.
0: Well, I really hope that there are listeners, breeders proactive members of the society and, and the likes really taking this into account and, and you know it's easy to talk about it but it's about implementing changes that are needed?
1: Well I'd say there will be probably a lot of criticism to it, but there will be also good comments about it. And it doesn't worry me like about it, but I would love to see our pony staying at the high level it is at the moment and I would even like to see it going to a higher level.
2: But mm.
1: I don't like I, to have to worry about bloodlines because the damage you can do with uh, inbreeding is, is very, would be very sad. I, I hope that doesn't happen to the breed. And it will happen if something is not done and what was successful before can be made successful again.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, Jimmy uh, and John, thank you so much for your time. It's really appreciated. I know we went over to time, but I think our listeners will be fascinated with what you both said. And um, thank you very much. Much appreciated.
3: You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much. It it was nice speaking to you. And I hope I haven't upset anybody. And that was never the intention. Uh, My intention was this this is i'm speaking from the experience i have had and i hope that it may do some good or it might tempt some person with money let it be a feed producer or somebody who who um provides us with drugs for animals uh, mm-hmm. drugs that are acceptable to animals and that we need and you, they might put some money into a breeding program to improve the the Cronimara and keep it at the level it is at the moment and at the top of the ladder, I would say. And we need to keep it there, but you will not keep it there without giving it the right support.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you,